welcome to Business Talk Sister Gok. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today we are super excited to have Bridger Hopkins with us. Uh, just so you guys know, Bridger has been someone that I have admired for a long time because he's a serial entrepreneur and one of the youngest experiences I had with entrepreneurship was just watching him with his different business endeavors. And so he's been doing it for a long time and we're super excited to uh, hear a little bit about the things that he's been doing more recently and hear the story about how he got there. Bridger, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what you do. So my uh, full-time gig is I work at a paper company, but kind of on the side, I'm, I'm always working on some sort of project, I guess you could say. Um, some of my recent ones have been uh, Airbnb, as well as uh, been building and, and flipping houses, and, uh, and those, those projects keep me pretty busy. So how did you start this process? Where were you getting interested in business and what was your journey to get there? Yeah. So, so, uh, my dad's always been an entrepreneur. He was, um, he's an electrician, but he's got his own, uh, contractor. He's a contractor. He's got his own company. Um, they've owned five, six different restaurants over the years. Um, my parents have. And so I've always grown up kind of in that atmosphere where, where, you're thinking about business, thinking about, you know, how you can monetize something, looking at, at customers you can serve. And so that was really helpful for me as a kid. Uh, it even, it even uh, allowed me to kind of venture out when I was a kid and doing some of my own little projects. So how, what did that look like with, it seems like there's a decent lower risk level of uh, having your parents help with that and how how influential were your parents in encouraging you to pursue different business ventures you know my parents were always very supportive of, of stuff i took on um one thing that i've always had a bent towards was if there's something i enjoy doing how can i do it for free or how can i you know somewhat monetize a hobby that i i enjoy so that you know, it's not just somewhere that I dump money into. Mm. And uh, so as a, as a kid, I really enjoyed raising chickens, ducks, uh, a whole menagerie of different critters. Mm. And uh, so my parents were maybe reluctantly supportive of that. <laughs> but what that ended up uh, growing into was, you know, selling eggs uh, on the side and then and eventually growing into uh, selling chickens for, for meat. So I, uh, and that was probably a four or five year process for me starting out with, you know, Hey, I've never, you know, raised a chicken for meat. So I started with, uh, I wanted to have some for us, just our family. And I, I went through and did a lot of research on, on what I needed to do. And then I figured out, you know, how much food, how much time. And then I, I, I figured, how many chickens, if I raised above and beyond what we wanted, how many I would need to raise and, and sell to cover the costs for our chickens. So that's kind of how it, it started. Because um, I, I didn't want to, you know, put up all the money just to, to have some chicken to eat, hmm. you know, as an 11-year-old or 12-year-old. And, uh, and so that's kind of where it began. And then it eventually went from, I think it was like 25 birds to 
to 50 to 150. And I think in the last year, it raised over 260 birds. Wow. Uh, Buckets. Yeah, that's a lot of chickens. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, and, and that whole time I had, I did have the support of my, my parents, of my, my, I was able to recruit uh, my grand, grandfathers a few times to help butcher chickens. Wow. And, uh, so I, I had a lot of backup, but you know, that, that always, those experiences really played into, you know, probably more so a way of thinking, uh, you know, how can I monetize this, this thing that I enjoy or this thing that I want to do. Hmm. And uh, even from there, you know, there's a big difference from having 25 chickens to 260 chickens. <laughs> so coming up with systems, changing the way I was purchasing, you know, my, my, my materials, my, my actual chickens, the food, all of that, you know, looking to buy in bulk, finding different uh, vendors, all that sort of stuff. And, and that's where I kind of got a, my first exposure, really. So what made you transition then from doing all these chickens to all of a sudden being like, mm, okay, I'm going to try rentals and property. Yeah. So it, it was actually it started again in the probably middle school. We, yeah, it must've been middle school, early high school. Uh, Ruthie will probably like this, but I started listening to the Dave Ramsey uh, Financial Peace University at the time, I think it was like, at that time it was 14, but we just had the audio, 14 sessions. And so we listened, listened to those with, with my dad. And um, the one that really stuck out, well, probably two things that, that uh, uh, stood out was, you know, going to school without having any debt. And then also the real estate. And I kind of saw that, that real estate lesson as a way to, um, you know, maybe leverage my education in a way that, you know, I wouldn't have to pay for it out of, or not even out of pocket, but, uh, you know, using loans. Mm. So, uh, really looked at, you know, buying, buying a foreclosure house, something, something that was relatively inexpensive, put some sweat equity into it, have a place to stay while I went to school. And then even, uh, you know, upon selling, be able to pay for the continuance of my education. So that was your first buy was one that you would stay in while you were at college? Yeah, so so in my senior year of high school, my my dad and I went in on on purchasing a a house that was foreclosed on and uh right in in town in northern Minnesota, I had made plans already to go to the community college, um Itasca Community College. So I I kind of had had my uh plan somewhat laid out at least for a few years so that senior year um quit basketball and and you know went to town on working on this this house wow. uh, pretty much remodeling the whole whole thing um you know i was tiling bathtub surrounds at you know four in, in the morning before going to school and wow uh, and there after work or after uh after school and uh so we started that in September and I moved in in June after I, uh, after graduated. And, uh, I had, from that point I had roommates. We actually built a, an apartment in the basement. So, um, I think I actually moved three times in the house, um, mm -hmm. from the second floor to the basement, back to the second floor, just kind of depending on the arrangements I had for roommates or renters 
and that was really my first um, taste of renting. And that that can definitely be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So this is like you're a senior in high school, and you made this huge sacrifice to like quit basketball, and your life is kind of looking different than most of your peers, I imagine. So what were their responses to that? What kind of uh, comments did you get from people that you went to high school with? You know, uh, a lot of weird looks. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people thought it was, you know, really cool that you know you were doing that, and uh, but I, I don't think a lot of people could really comprehend or like, why are you doing that? Mm. I think a lot of a lot of people have the belief that they want to go, you know, go to school, go off somewhere else, get out of town, and uh, at, at that point, I was pretty much cementing that I was going to be at least for a few more years being in my hometown. Um, and, and so I think on, even on a base level like that, some people couldn't really compute you know, the reason for me doing that, you know, not, not taking out mm-hmm. loans, not, um, uh, having to leverage myself that yeah. way. And were you able to pay, just out of curiosity, were you able to pay for school without loans? Yeah. So, uh, I, I lived at that house for, uh, two years while I was going to ICC. And like I said, I had a, I had the whole gamut of, good renters, bad renters, good roommates to not so good roommates. And, and, and yeah, I ended up at, at the end of the two years, I had already been, I'd gotten married and, and moved out to Idaho uh, to go to university of Idaho, go Vandals. And, uh, and, and we sold the house and it ended up paying for our, you know, we had made it through two years already of school, paid for our third year and then worked our, our way through the last bit. And yeah, we never took out a loan. We, we did, we each had three jobs, two to three jobs at any given time. Wow. Uh, but, but yeah, I made it through. So tell me, tell me a little bit about when you, okay, so you started your chicken business. You kind of, it sounds like you learned a lot about how to research during that time and know how to make an investment that's profitable. And then, and then when you're when you're living with these people, you're starting to learn a whole lot about what makes a good roommate or a renter. What what was the processes that you started setting in place for your rental properties, and how did you go through researching how much to charge that kind of stuff? That how did you get through that? Yeah, that that's a really good question. Like starting with the chickens, you know, it, it was nice because it was already sort of a hobby, so I had a base level of knowledge. I felt pretty comfortable with. I think think by the time. Well, I, I probably didn't calculate very well with the um, the labor involved, but again, it was kind of a labor of love, I guess you could say, at least for me, maybe not those who are helping me, but, uh, <laughs> but then going in where I really had a lot of, uh, yeah, this is probably a good way to say it, a lot of good opportunity to learn would be when I started doing the rentals uh, or renting out, having roommates, all of that. Uh, the, Initially, I started with people I knew, and I don't think I like that. You know, you, you um, just because you know someone, sometimes it can be different to enter into a, you know, in this case, it's it's pretty much a business agreement with them where they're going to, you're going to give them a place to stay and they're going to, you know, give you money. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't, I wasn't always uh, too upfront about, you know, getting a security deposit or making sure they, they had their, their, uh, their, their act together, have their, their backgrounds put together. So, 
I was, I got burned a few times right away where you know, people I knew thinking that I could uh, really trust them and then and not really being the case. Hmm. Uh, so since, since then now I, I get, maybe my perspective has changed as, you know, I have to bend over backwards to give them a spot. You know, I'm, I'm providing this all out service and really that's not the case for rentals in my, my opinion. You're, you know, you have, you, you're giving them a good product, but you know, you have your standards that you have to hold. Um, so, so my last place that I rented out was a house that we built and I did first month, last month, and then one month for security deposit. So it's mm-hmm. before the person gets to move in, they've got three months essentially of rent. So I, I know that they're, uh, oh, and they've passed a background check and a credit check. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and the, the resource that I use for, for going through that is cozy.com. Okay. And that's a really good, I, I really liked using, using that. It's a good way for people to pay uh, using, using their bank accounts and uh, doing the background checks, facilitating all of that. And, and that's really nice. But yeah, there has been a, a definite change in my, my mindset. How did you make that, that transition to Airbnb? Was it, um, you use the same properties that you already had, you purchase new ones. How did you prepare for that? So, so for right now I've, I've got, uh, we have one Airbnb unit and it's, it's just currently in our, in the home we live in. Uh, it's our third floor. We have an external entrance that gets up to our staircase or a staircase that goes up to the third floor. And it's, it's pretty much a hotel accommodation. It's got a bedroom, a bathroom and a kitchenette. Okay. Um, and that, and that's where it's a little bit, that's a totally different uh, mindset, at least the way I look at it, as where, that's where you do kind of go a little more uh, out of your way to, to provide a, a very nice service for, for these people who are gonna be staying with you. Um, we even, we bought this house uh, with that in mind, as far as being able to use that space as an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And, and really even the genesis of that is, you know, we've stayed in Airbnbs across the country and across the world, and we've really liked it uh, being guests. So we wanted to see what it would be like to be hosts. And how did you prepare for that physically? Like, did you have to do a lot of, are there a lot of uh, legal requirements that you have to do for Airbnb to like certify you as um, a place to stay? Did you have to do a lot of updating? What did you do with that? Yeah, it's, it's surprisingly easy maybe to, to become an Airbnb host. Um, I thought it would be more difficult than it was. So it's got a, a pretty low, low barrier to entry, which is nice. But, uh, and, and you, can, you can be really flexible with what you're gonna offer people. You technically offer somebody your garage and a inflatable mattress, you know, and, and, and if there's a demand for that, someone, you know, someone might pay you 10 bucks, but, uh, it, it all depends on what you're looking to offer. Uh, for us, um, we, there was no, there was no kitchenette sort of space. Uh, we kind of took over a closet that was up there, uh, and made that our kitchenette, put in some, some more power, some, uh, some appliances. And then I had to do some work on the staircase to get, get upstairs, finish that out to make it look a lot nicer. And then, uh, and then otherwise, you know, we've got furniture up there, uh, make sure it was clean and we were ready to go. 
So when you were looking at different updates and stuff and figuring out, okay, this is how much we charge or whatever within that, how did you decide on like what's worth it and and what's going to be profitable? Has it been profitable overall to, to look at those different aspects? Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, For me personally, my initial instinct is like, Hey, I got to make this place. I have to update it. I've got to do new flooring. I got to do new paint, new trim, all that. My wife helps temper me, so she keeps me in check. We're a good team. Um, so we, uh, she, she recommended we just you know see if the see if we can rent it out as it is. See if there are people that you know want the space. It's not bad, but it's not what I would like it to be. Mm. But by uh, by holding back. Um, you know, have less cost on, on the uh, startup, uh, uh, which has been really, really good for us. Um, so really pretty, I think we were probably two grand into starting up between getting furniture and the few updates that I had to do. Um, so th- there was some, some cost getting set up. Okay. Yeah. So I know we have a little bit of time left and we wanted to transition into our gawk portion. I know that you gave us a lot of really valuable information. Um, But before we do that, is there any uh, resources that you would recommend to someone who's looking to start up? Um, Like what, what kind of either links or anything that you said, you know, these are really valuable to me. Um, I would recommend looking into this before getting started. Uh, So probably the, if you're looking to start an Airbnb, probably the most important resource is going to be Airbnb itself. You're going to want to set up an account and then look at, look at the area where you're in or where you'd be looking to start up on Airbnb. Look to see what, what, you know, what, how many uh, places are being supported right now. Uh, what are their, what's their pricing? What are they offering? Uh, what do you have that you can offer that might be different than them? Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I even still spend a lot of time on Airbnb checking what's in our area. For me, uh, we're a little bit out of the, the main, you know, main drag, I guess you could say. And uh, kind of my, the niche that I, I'm looking to fill is I have the, the cheapest place that is where you have your own space. So that's, you're not sharing a house or sharing any space with someone. And then uh, I also offer one night stays, whereas most places uh, require two night minimums. So that's kind of where I'm uh, looking to, to uh, position myself. Mm-hmm. So look at Airbnb, look at, there's tons of stuff on YouTube, lots of articles online. And uh, that's just where I would begin. Awesome. Thank you for that. So the last thing we're going to do is gawk about something. And uh, Bridger was already talking to us a little bit before we started. Uh, for you guys who can't, didn't see him today, I was a little surprised. He shaved his head. <laughs> and I was not expecting that. And he was telling us about his sunburn experience. And you guys got to hear this story. So if you want to take it away, go for it. <laughs> yeah, so shaving my head was kind of the, you know, coronavirus lockdown last last it was easy haircut that i can manage mm-hmm. so uh, it kind of reminded me the first time that i realized i did have a receding hairline 
my uh, my you know, since especially now that I'm having to rub sunscreen all over my whole head. But uh, my wife and I went on our honeymoon to Mexico, and I I got a haircut. I wanted to look nice, and first morning on the beach, I was throwing sunscreen on, and I did one nice pass across my forehead, and which had worked at when I was a kid, but <laughs> I missed the two little half moons on the top of my forehead. <laughs> I applied the sunscreen and that first day I just, my head got fried. Oh. And so, uh, you know, to the, the, and that was the first time I realized that my hairline was in fact receding. So to add insult to the injury of the sunburn, I realized I was losing my hair. <laughs> so, and I'm just imagining like you have like a, a decent widow's peak and then on the sides you have these two little half moons of red that look like Mickey Mouse ears. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it was all of that. It was pretty bad. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't forget sunscreen the rest of the trip. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose being down in, in a southern climate too, it's quite the transition from northern Minnesota. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bridger, for joining us this week. It was so fun to, to hear your wisdom and experiences that you've had in your life. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us. Listeners, uh, just send our podcast to a friend of yours this week, and we will see you again next week.